my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. 
Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Victory Christian Fellowship tonight. And if you're watching online, we say welcome to you. It's Wednesday night refreshing. Where times of refreshing come from God's presence. So if you need to be refreshed tonight, His refreshing is flowing. Father God, we're so grateful and thankful that you rule and reign our hearts. Lord, we love you. We yield to you, Lord. And we acknowledge you as Lord that you may direct our paths. So, Lord, have your way tonight in us, through us. Do great and mighty things in this place, in us. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Solid. 
this place tonight. Come on, just worship. We believe in this place tonight, Lord. Just close your eyes. Give a glimpse of heaven in this house tonight. Our Father is sitting around the throne. He's high and lifted up. Oh, we worship you in this house. We worship you in this house. Let's just worship. Oh, we worship you in this place tonight, Lord. Just lift up your voice.
Let's worship in this place. Just put your hands up. Just thank him for who he is in your life. Thank him for something he's done for you today. Something he's done for you this week. Let us lift up our voices and worship in this sanctuary. We worship you in this sanctuary, oh God. You are worthy to be praised. There is none like you, Lord.
lift our hands up to the Father God. The one whom we can cry, Abba. We can say, Daddy. We're coming to you, Lord. We're reaching for you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. When we worship the Lord, it is our moment to give him our all, our focus, our attention, our adoration, our love, our exaltation. Lord Jesus, there is no one like you. You do great, and you do miracles so great. We love you, we bless you, we praise you, we magnify you. Hallelujah. Lord, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Your gifts, your fruit, your display, your power, however you need to move. Father, you are welcome here. And Lord, we thank you that you're here and you are speaking and we give you our attention as to what you have to say to us. When I walk the streets, I encountered ten lepers who cried out for mercy. And I was willing to give them mercy. And they received mercy. But one wanted more. Nine were happy with a touch. But one wanted to touch me, says the Lord. And he came and he worshipped me at my feet. And he was made whole. He got the bonus. He got the extra portion. He got... Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Mm. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. It's nice to have a miracle, but it's great to have the miracle worker. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God's a God of relationship. Well, it's a good Wednesday night. Out of all the places you could be, God brought you here. To his smorgasbord of goodness. Hallelujah. Got a lot of good things happening here. And before we dismiss the kids, I just want to um, 
read from Acts chapter uh, 4. And uh, we're going to read from verse uh, 34. This was after the house-shaking incident. You know, after God shook the house, there was a great spirit of generosity. And uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 34... It says, neither was there any among them that lacked. Say, no one lacked. Is that amazing? You're talking at least 3,000, 5,000, somewhere between five and 6,000 people. No one lacked. Why? Because for as many as were possessors of a land, it didn't just say land. So they own more than one land, because it's plural. Do you see that? So people who had more than one, these are rich people, okay? As many as were possessors of lands or house, a house or houses? Houses. So they had more than one house. Sold them and brought the price or the proceeds of the things that were sold. The entire, I mean, if they sold a land, let's say it's $10,000 an acre, and they sold an acre, that's $10,000, right? So they sold it for $10,000, so they brought that $10,000 to the church. Okay? And they laid it at the apostles' feet, verse 35, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who was uh, uh, surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, in the country of uh, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was some serious giving going on. Amen. But what did it create? It created an atmosphere where no one lacked. Amen. Your giving adds to you; it doesn't take away from you. Hallelujah. So I just want you to think about that. As you give tonight, you don't have to, but you get to. Amen? And uh, God will return it to you. That's what he says in his word. And uh, God is good. And uh, these people were given the price of houses and lands. Hallelujah. They didn't reason about it. They didn't think about it. They just did it. Why? Because they got caught up with a generous spirit. Amen? And I know that that spirit is here too. You guys are generous. And I just commend you. Father, I give you thanks and praise. As the givers give their gifts tonight, Father, I thank you that they are blessed of you. Highly favored. And you cause them to prosper. You protect them. You watch over them. Lord, and you cause good things to happen to them. In the name of Jesus. And you can give any time during the service. There's envelopes and uh, uh, there. Pens, if you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you're watching online, you can go to the website, do it that way. If you need to do a card, uh, we got the bookstore. Amen. All kinds of ways. Hallelujah. Plant your seed and watch it grow. Amen. All right, we're going to have uh, kids live tonight. Hmm? Yeah.
All right, so we're going to dismiss our kids. Awesome. Kids, have a good class. Glory to God. Mm. God is up to something good. So while I was, uh, I was studying today, I wasn't really studying for a message. I was just studying a subject. But out of that subject, out of that immersion time, God gave me a message. Amen? And I want you to go to Genesis chapter 6. And uh, tonight we're going to talk to you about finding and operating in God's grace. Finding and operating in God's grace. I'm sure that you've heard something about grace. You've definitely heard the song Amazing Grace because it is amazing. Amen? God's grace is natural mind-blowing. He's so good. And uh, he has made his grace available to us. And in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, there was a guy by the name of Noah. Noah lived in some... He lived in times worse than us. There were so many people that were wicked and perverse and uh, distorted in Noah's day more than today. And uh, but he he was like a light. And in verse eight of Genesis chapter six, the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace. Did you know that grace can be found? It's not something that just automatically happens to you. It can be found. It's accessible. And uh, Noah, the Bible says Noah found grace in God's sight. So what was God looking for to disperse his grace? What was he looking at to put his grace on an individual? All right. If he found it in, his, in God's eyes, God was looking for ways to put his grace on someone. All right? God is looking for, what is he looking for? He's looking for recipients and beneficiaries who receive what he is offering. How many know God's got an offer? And you could refuse it, but it's too good you don't want to refuse it. And God is looking for recipients and beneficiaries who will just say, yes, I want what you have. Amen? God's got, anything that God gives is good. So, what is God looking for? He's looking for beneficiaries and recipients who are just willing to receive what he's offering. He's looking for some people that will just say yes to what God says. Just a simple yes. Amen? Amen? To whatever God says. Because sometimes what God says, it doesn't make sense in your mind. Right? I'm going to send my only son to the earth and die on the cross. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But it does to God's mind because he needed a spotless lamb to offer his life as a sacrifice. So God is just, are you a person that's just going to say yes to whatever God says? Do we got some yes people in here tonight? If God were to tell you, get up out of your chair right now and start jumping and shouting, 
Could you just say yes and do it? That's the kind of people that God's looking for to distribute his grace to. All right? God is looking for some people who will willingly accept his gracious offer. You know, the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. How many willing people are here tonight? You're willing to do whatever he wills. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. He wasn't interested in doing his own will. Amen? I didn't come here tonight to do my own will. I came here to do the will of him who put me here. Hallelujah. God is looking for some people who humble themselves and expect to receive from God and rely solely on God to walk, live, and carry out what God wants them to do. God is just looking for some people. Have you come with some expectation tonight? You know, your expectation is God's invitation. What are you expecting from God? We got to expect some things. Amen? You, you, you should have come here tonight expecting God to show you something, to do something for you, to reveal something to you, to do a work in you, to touch you. Amen? The man at the gate, beautiful, he was expecting something. And he got more than what he expected. Amen? And then when you get what God has, you got to rely solely on God. To walk and to carry it out and to do what God wants you to do. God's looking for some people who believe in the character of our giving God. Our God is a giving God. He's a liberal God. He's an over-the-top God. He's a too-much God. He's a more-than-enough God. He's an all-sufficient God. He's an almighty God. And he's looking for some people who just believe in the character of our giving God. God is looking for some people who receive his power, ability, goodness, and favor just as, just as it's given. When Jesus told lame people, he said, rise up and walk, they just believed it and, and got up. Amen? People who couldn't walk for years, when Jesus, after they met Jesus, they were able to walk. They didn't even go to walking school. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. You know, Moses was a man who found grace. See, people are going to find grace are those who are looking for grace. And I'm going to show you where to get it. Grace comes from two places. Not going to get there yet, but we're going there. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. And verse 12. Now, Moses had grace to be a deliverer. He had a grace. God gave him grace to go into Egypt, out of which he came out of. He had to go back into Egypt and face Pharaoh and deliver God's people. He had grace to do that. He had supernatural ability to do that. He had supernatural power to do that. He, he wasn't doing it on his own. He was doing it because God told him to do it, and God was backing him up. God was working all things out. And he says here in Exodus 33, verse 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, 
See, you say to me, bring up this people and you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Say he found grace. All right. See, whatever God asks you to do, he gives you grace to do it. There's nothing that God will ask you to do that he won't give you grace to do it. If he tells you to teach kids, he'll give you grace to teach kids. If he tells you to be an at-home spouse, he'll give you grace to be at home. Right? If he tells you to be a head of a corporation, he'll give you grace to be a head of a corporation. If he tells you to fix things, you have grace to fix things. Amen? If he tells you to cook, you have grace to cook. Hallelujah. You get the point? You got grace for whatever God tells you to do. So God told Moses that he found grace in his sight. All right? See, grace enables you, grace empowers you, and grace equips you. Let me say that again. Grace enables you, grace empowers you, and grace equips you. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm enabled. I'm empowered and I'm equipped. You got the best equipment. You got the word, the name of Jesus. You got the blood of Jesus. You got the word of God. You got the Holy Ghost. Amen. You got the best equipment. You got the anointing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray, if you have, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. That I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. See, God gives people who desire to know him, to know his ways, and to know him, to know him more. See, God, Moses wanted to know God's ways, and he wanted to know God more. That's where he's going to find grace. You want to find grace? Know God. Know his ways and know him personally. Amen? Listen, God did everything he did so that you and I can have a conversation with him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. We have access to God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us access to God. Our access to God was cut off through sin. But Jesus came, offered himself, paid the bill, paid the back taxes. He paid everything. We don't owe a cent. Glory to God. And now we have access to God. All right? So remember, Moses was asking God, who are you going to send with me? He answers it in verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Oh, glory to God. See, when you desire, uh, when you desire in your heart, you will find grace. With, with a desire in your heart, you'll find grace in God's sight. See, grace comes directly from his presence. God said, my presence is going to go with you. Right? Grace flows out of his presence. Hallelujah. In other words, God exudes grace. How many ever had a sponge that was so full of water? You just press it, and wherever you press it, water seeps out because it's so full. Right? God is so full of grace. That wherever he goes, grace is just pouring out of him. 
grace is flowing out of him. And anybody who wants to get a hold of that grace can get a hold of it. God doesn't put any restrictions for anyone coming to get his grace. Right? So his grace comes directly from his presence. It's an overflow of his goodness to you, his favor to you, and his power to you. I I, I read last week that God's grace is his favor with his almightiness in it. It's his favor with his almightiness in it. That's his omnipotence. That's his all-powerfulness. Hallelujah. All right? So, verse 15. And Moses said unto him, If your presence does not go with me, don't carry us up from here. Let me tell you something. You've got to... Great Grace ceases humans' toil and it gives you rest. You know, sometimes we're tempted, maybe you've been tempted, to rely on your own experience, to rely on your own skill or your own strength or your own ability to solve this problem. And you say, God, I can, I can handle this. And God will say, okay. And he'll just watch. Maybe he'll chuckle. Right? Jesus, every, Jesus was the son of God. He committed no sin, and yet he said, I can do nothing of myself. So if Jesus could do nothing of himself, what makes us think that we could do something of ourselves? If you're trying to do it of yourself, you're rejecting the grace of God. Okay? We're finding and operating in the grace of God. So grace ceases humans' toil. It gives you rest when you take on big things. How many have some big dreams? How many have some big goals? Right? Maybe, maybe you've been plagued with a sickness for years, and, you want, that's, and, and your goal is to get rid of it. God's grace can get rid of it like that. Hallelujah. God, he is into alleviating suffering, not causing suffering. All right? So uh, trying to do things without God's presence is to disregard his grace and rely on your own strength. See, Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. In other words, Moses said, I'm not making a move without your grace. I'm not making a move without your presence because I can't do this on my own. Could you see Moses trying to deliver the people on his own without any miracles? Pharaoh would have said, get out of here, Moses, or I'll swat you like a fly. But when he had God's backing, Pharaoh couldn't do anything about it. Even the Pharaoh's magicians, when, once they got to a point, they said, oh, this is a hand of God. We can't touch this. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. In your life, make a decision tonight that you're not going to go forward without God's presence. If God's presence isn't going to be working in you, isn't going to be leading you, you're not going to be going there. Right? Go where God's presence is. Go where God's presence is. Moses said, if your presence isn't going, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here. Because Israel, they went where the presence went. They camped where the presence stopped. And when the presence moved, they moved. You know, God's a dancing partner. Right? Let him lead. He will not step on your toes. 
But you've got to make a decision that you're going to go forward with God's presence. Too many people try to do too many things without God's presence. You know, every time David consulted God about a battle, he won. Whenever he didn't consult God, he lost. So if David's not going to fight without God's presence, we shouldn't live without God's presence. Amen? If you find a place where God's presence is, you say, I'm sticking here. You know, I like Joshua. Moses set out his, up his tent outside the camp. It was called the tent of meeting. And Moses would go there. The glory of God would come down. Moses would talk with God, but then Moses would leave. He'd be done for a day. He said, oh, time to punch out. But Joshua, no, no. He said, the presence is here. He said, I'm hanging out here. I mean, Joshua was by, was by the spout where the glory comes out. He was just taking it in. Right? Okay? Verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. You know, when you find grace, God does things for you. It's his favor. It's his goodness. It's his ability. It's his power. Okay? Guess what? If you want God to do something for you, ask him. What a deep revelation that is. Ask and what? Did it say you might? It said you shall. He said seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. Why isn't this door opening to me? Have you knocked? Well, no. What a concept. Moses asked if he would go with him, and God was responding to his request. You want God to do something? Ask him. You have not because you ask not, or you ask to consume it upon your own lust. God knows how to give good gifts. If you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a stone. Right? If you ask him for some water, he won't give you acid. Say, God is good all the time. All right. So, God's presence is what distinguishes you from anybody else. The only difference that we have from the world is we have God's presence. Amen? You know, when Israel was in Egypt, God made a distinction. Egypt, Goshen, darkness, light. Flies, freedom. Right? There was a distinction. What was happening in Egypt wasn't happening in Goshen because God's hand was in Goshen because that's where his people were. There might be chaos in America, but but you're not going to have chaos in God. Amen? Doesn't matter how many balloons. (laughs) Ah. All right. So, verse 18. He said, I beseech you, show me your glory. What a bold question. Oh, you shouldn't ask God that. Moses did. He didn't even think twice about it. And notice God's response. Show me your glory, okay? I will make all my goodness pass before you. God's goodness is his glory. 
and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. All right? He said, you can't see my face, for no man can see my face and live. But God was willing to show Moses apart. He got to see a glimpse of his glory, his goodness. It got to pass before him. Amen? Hallelujah. If you're about to move without God's presence, stop and recalibrate. If you're realizing that you're going in a direction where God's presence isn't leading you, you need to stop. And you need to get back where God's presence is. Why do you think he said wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life? It's easy to be destroyed. A lot of people are on the wrong path being destroyed. But, it take, but you've got to be on a narrow path, right? You've got to have a, a, a laser focus. You've got to be listening to God on the narrow path because that's the one that's going to lead to life, all right? Okay. You know, God will work with you. He gives grace to those who are in a relationship with him. God said, I know you. They, him and Moses had a close relationship. They talked together like a man speaks to his friend. That's, what, that's the atmosphere. Friendship and relationship is where grace thrives. When, you're, when you have an atmosphere of relationship and friendship and worship to God, grace is flowing like a faucet that hasn't been turned off. How many want that flow of grace in your life? Amen? Well, check up on your relationship with God. Hallelujah. All right, verse 21. You know, behold, there's a place by me. You shall stand upon a rock. Glory to God. God put us on a rock, didn't he? And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. He's like this. God was passing by. All right? That's because Moses asked him to. See, when God's, when God's grace is flowing, things are happening in your life. God wants to operate and display his goodness before you. His grace flows on purpose and not by chance. Well, I hope this Christian stuff will work. Well, you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. I think I'll try Jesus. You're barking up the wrong tree. His grace flows on purpose, not by chance. God's grace is not a lottery. You, you, you can't buy the Powerball grace ticket. Right? Grace comes on purpose when you enter into a relationship with God. When you set your heart to seek God. When you put your desire on God. Grace will flow. All right? Your faith in God activates his grace on your behalf. God is not just throwing up a Hail Mary. He is very specific about where his grace goes. Noah found grace when everybody else around him was wicked. One person was looking to God. One person had a relationship with God. And God noticed that out of all the rest. All right. The Bible says you don't have to turn there, but in Acts seven forty six, you can write that down. The Bible says David found grace in the sight of God, and he wanted to build him a dwelling place. David was a worshipper. You think worship 
affects your grace? Absolutely. You want more grace? More worship. Amen? It's not by works. It's by faith. All right? Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Where do we find grace? Told you there was two places. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Hallelujah. Grace is in the place tonight. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in where? Christ Jesus. What did he say? Did he say be weak in grace? He said be strong in grace. See, you have a part to play as to, as to the strength of grace that you're getting to you. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the anointed one, is where grace is. That's where you can find grace. When you find Christ, you found grace. Wherever Christ is, grace is. Because Christ is the anointed one, and the anointing is his grace that flows out. It breaks yokes, removes burdens. Hallelujah. Then the second place we find grace is Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come sadly... Let us therefore come very depressed. No. Let us therefore come quietly. No. Let us therefore come boldly. Before the throne of what? Grace. That you may obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help in a time of need. Grace is available whenever you need it. It's in Christ and it's at the throne. And any believer who believes in Christ can go to the throne. You've been given a backstage pass. When you accepted Jesus in your heart, you've been given a backstage pass to go to the throne room anytime, anywhere, any place. You can go boldly into the throne room because of what Jesus Christ has done. I'm coming before God's throne of grace because of what Jesus did for me. That gives me access. Therefore, I can come boldly. It's not based on me or what I did. It's based on what Jesus and what he did. And you, when you come to the throne of grace, you can obtain mercy and you can find grace whenever you need it. You wake up tomorrow morning and you say, whoo, I need some grace today. Take a trip to the throne. You don't need a spaceship. You don't even need a weather balloon. All you need is faith. All you need is faith to come before the throne of grace to get your grace. You, you can have some grace flakes with some milk. Right? If you're living in a land flowing with milk and honey, you can use your milk on your grace flakes. Hallelujah. I'm getting my grace flakes. Amen? Glory to God. So, we find grace in Christ when we find grace at the throne. So, Noah must have been having a conversation at the throne. Because the Bible said it was recorded. He found grace. Amen? You don't need a metal detector 
a metal detector to find grace. All you need is faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. Who receives grace? What qualities does God look for to infuse his grace into people? Go to Psalms 84. Psalms 84. I'm having a good time. Hallelujah. Grace really is amazing. Psalms 84, verse 11. Psalms 84, verse 11. Glory to God. Someone say glory. Glory. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, all the religious spirits just left right now. Glory to God. You know, uh, I read somewhere in the Bible sometime where the the noise was so loud that it shook the foundation of the building. That's in heaven. Woo! All right, in Psalms 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He's a provider and a protector. The Lord God will give grace and glory, just like he gave to Moses. No good thing will he withhold from them that what? Walk uprightly. So the upright are people that God looks for to, disp- to distribute his grace. Yeah. What does it mean to walk, to be upright? To walk in righteousness. To be holy. To be like Jesus. To live right. Amen? It doesn't mean that like a bear is walking upright. It means to walk a right, be on the right path. Amen? So the upright, God looks for, go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Hallelujah. Man, this is good. Grace is on the menu tonight and it's free to everybody. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34. Proverbs 3 verse 34. Surely he scorns the scorners. But he gives grace to the lowly. That lowly is not a good word. He gives grace to the humble. A humble person is someone that puts no trust in themselves. Right? He gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. All right? So the, God looks for humble to, uh, be, uh, to receive uh, grace. Go to John chapter 1. Now, Jesus, he was loaded with grace. <laughs> you know, God, Jesus has so much grace that he could give the world and he, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't deplete his supply. My God is loaded. Amen? That means he's super rich. And because he's so rich, he's generous in his giving. John chapter 1, verse uh, 14 John 1 verse, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Whoo, grace was wearing a flesh suit. And, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say, full of grace and truth. All right, verse 15, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, this is he of whom we spoke. 
of whom I spoke. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. In verse 16, and of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. Say, I'm a recipient. I'm a beneficiary. I'm a receiver of grace. Hallelujah. When you're connected to grace or you're connected to Jesus, you're connected to a full supply of grace for whenever you need it, however you want it. Glory to God. He's full of grace and truth. Glory to God. All right, go to Romans chapter 4, and we want to see how faith activates grace. You know, everything with God is by faith. Everything that you, salvation comes by faith. Healing comes by faith. Prosperity comes by faith. Peace comes by faith. There's nothing that God offers that we don't receive by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. All right? God doesn't need a mint. He doesn't need to make bills or coins. He's given us faith. Faith comes from his word. His word is a perpetual manufacturer of faith. His word is cranking out faith every time we hear it. And every time we hear the word, faith is coming to our heart where we can activate grace. All right, Romans 4, verse 16. Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, whenever you see that word, you better see what it's there for. It is of faith. Say, it's, it is of faith. That it might be by grace... See, it's always a faith that it might be by grace. See, grace is God's offer. Faith is receiving of that offer. Think of it this way. Grace is a certified letter that someone sends you. Faith is the signature that says we got the letter. Faith signs, when you, faith signs, that means you receiving the grace that's been offered. Hallelujah. All right? So, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Whoo, there's grace and faith for every promise. Hallelujah. Not, not to that only which is of the law or the Jews, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. That's us, the Gentiles, who is the father of us all. We can learn a lot about Abraham's faith. Amen. He started this, and we have, we're saved by the faith of Abraham. Hallelujah. We're, just like he was made righteous, we are born again. Was there any evidence that Abraham could rely on to have a son? Sarah's womb was dead. His body was dead. How are you going to have a son when you've got two dead things? Well, God had a generator that generated life. He said, I I can generate life in a dead womb. I can bring a womb back to life. I can bring your seed back to life. All you got to do is believe my promise. He gave him a promise. And he gave him grace. And Abraham and Sarah believed God. They received the grace. They received the resurrection power. His seed, her womb, resurrection. Not only did Sarah carry Isaac for nine months... She conceived him. She, he was conceived in her womb. She carried him. She nursed him when she was 90 years old. 
She had a 30-year-old womb in a 90-year-old body. That's the goodness of God. That's the grace of God. Because they believe God, they, their faith activated that grace. Grace is a gift. Hallelujah. I didn't see myself getting so excited, but this is good stuff. Hallelujah. Go to Romans 5, right next door. Romans 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When your faith meets grace, you've got your standing position. And don't let anything move you from your standing position when your faith meets your grace. We're going to stand here. We're going to rejoice here in the hope of the glory of God. That's how you got to be. When your faith connects with grace, you got to make that your stand. You got to draw a line in the sand. I'm not moving. I'm not, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to, no matter what happens, no matter what comes against me, I'm standing because I know that this is going to work. It can't go any other way. Amen? Put a man in a tomb. Ain't going to hold him three days later. Poof. His faith met grace. Hallelujah. He shot out of that tomb like a rocket. Glory to God. Lazarus was dead for four days. What's four days when faith meets grace? The word walked to the tomb. That's faith. He met the grace. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Faith and grace met. And what happened? Lazarus, he hopped, he had, he was wrapped in, in, in uh, dead clothes. He had to hop out of that tomb. Right? Lazarus, come forth. He had to say Lazarus because he didn't know who else was in there. He couldn't just say, anybody who's there, come. They might have had a whole group. Right? He had, faith is specific. I've come to raise Lazarus. I don't know who else is in there. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And then uh, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Say, tonight, my faith... It's going to meet God's grace, and something's going to happen. Hallelujah. Yeah, tonight is your faith meets God's grace. You ain't see, Fourth of July can't compare to when faith meets grace. Why? There's dunamis power. When faith meets grace, there's explosive power. See, grace has already been given. It's already been given. All we got to do is have our faith meet the grace. God already made the offer. He said, my, he sent my son. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was done. He said, it is finished. He said, I'm retiring early. I'm done. There was nothing else to do. Everything was signed, sealed, and delivered at the cross. And then he had three days of rest in the grave. And then on the third day, he went back home. Hallelujah. But he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I got a little bit more to do. So Jesus did everything, made everything available to us. Now the ball's in your court. Now your faith has to meet the grace that God already gave. Hallelujah. Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, 
to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So grace is given to sober thinkers. Right? Thinking more highly of yourself is putting yourself on a higher pedestal than it needs to be. Thinking highly of yourself is being conceited. It's being self-righteous. It's saying, God, I don't need you. It's magnifying self. Not to think of yourself more highly. No, everything that I got, it's from God. Amen? When something good happens, God, I praise you for your goodness. When something small, even though it's good that happens, God, I praise you for your goodness. I give God glory for every good thing in my life. That's what it means to not think of yourself more highly. Think of God more than yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. It means having thoughts to be, think more highly of yourself as having thoughts and feelings habitually turn to a certain direction. You're not looking at God, you're looking at something else. Right? You know, when, uh, when the Israelites, uh, when, when their journey was a little bit elevated, and they were going up, they started to complain, and murmur, and grumble. You know, when you complain, murmur, and grumble, you're looking at something else other than God. And, and when we start to complain, murmur, and grumble, God takes it personally, because God told Moses, why are the people complaining about me? God is, let me tell you something, God will not hang out with complainers, murmurs, and, and, and grumblers. He opposes them. So if you're, if, you're caught, if you're catching yourself murmuring, grumbling, and complaining, you better, oh, my faith is not meeting my grace. Listen, don't complain about anything. Right? I mean, the Israelites said, we're tired of this light bread. Oh, the bread that saved you for 40 years? The bread that came from heaven that all you had to do was go out and gather it six days and on the seventh day you didn't even have to gather it? You're tired of that light bread? That light bread that sustained you? And they were saying, they got to the point where I'm tired of this light bread. Oh, I'm tired of God's provision. God, can't you give me something else? Oh yeah, he did, didn't he? He gave, he said, we want meat, we want meat. He said, I'm going to give you so much meat it'll come out your nostrils. Right? And then when they were eating the meat, a lot of them died because of rebellion. That's putting yourself above God. All right? Grace isn't going to come when you're focused on yourself. But grace will come when you're focused on God. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. Mm. Um, What does grace do for you? Go to Romans 16. I, I just got a couple more. I feel like I drank a cappuccino with some espresso but I I didn't but that's how I feel it's the anointing I'm stirred up about this thing like I said I'm just doing a study on grace and and all of a sudden boom it hits me I was like oh okay cool (laughs) Romans 16 verse 24 listen to this He says in verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ beware, be with you. Say, God's grace is with me. me. Hallelujah. 
Now, notice what he said in verse 25. He didn't stop there. Okay, God's grace is with you, but this is what, God, this is what grace does. Now, to him that is of power to establish you. God's grace has power to establish you. Say, I'm being established. All right? And to my gospel, according to my gospel. So it's through the preaching of good news. That's an outlet where grace flows. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. You can't have grace without Jesus. Jesus is a necessary ingredient of grace. If you want grace, you've got to get Jesus. There ain't no grace with Buddha. There ain't no grace with Muhammad. There's grace with Jesus. All right? According to the revelation of the mystery, oh, God will reveal things to you when you read and when you see. He'll, he'll pull back the veil and you'll see things you haven't seen before. You'll hear things you haven't heard before. You know, he told the churches in Revelation, he said, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Are you guys hearing what the Spirit is saying to you right now in this moment in your life? Are you hearing the voice of the Spirit? Because he's the Spirit of grace. And you want grace, he'll, 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 you got to listen to his voice. You want direction, you got to listen to his voice. It's not about what you want to do, it's about what he wants you to do. I did not, as a little boy, I did not dream of preaching the gospel. I dreamt of being a pilot or a fireman. I didn't dream of being an insurance agent. That's what my dad was. And he was successful at it. It just wasn't my thing. I didn't choose this. God chose me for this. I, I, I got to a point in my relationship with God where I asked him, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to be? I, I, I had no preconceived ideas. And God told me what to do. The step that he told me to take was to go to a Bible school. I was looking at my yearbook two nights ago. I was a first-year student so it was my 91 year book. I was like, my God, how did I get to Palmyra, Pennsylvania? <laughs> if it wasn't for the grace of God, the grace of God brought me here. I certainly couldn't have gotten here by myself. I, I came to Palmyra once and I got lost. That was before GPS. But I, I've been known to make some misturns even with GPS. <laughs> so. Grace is with you, it abides in you, it operates through you. Grace is a person. He's able to establish, strengthen and uh, you through grace. Grace strengthens faith through the gospel, the anointed preaching, the revelation of the mystery of God's plan. Grace operates through prophetic scriptures. He said, verse 26, but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. You guys get some prophetic scripture here. Some places get pathetic scripture, but you get some prophetic scripture. Grace flourishes in an atmosphere of obedient faith. God is just looking for some people who he can connect to, that he can disperse his grace to, so he can get some things done. God's got to get some things done. He's looking for some people that will be about his business. We're, We're in the end times. You can just look around. Oh, hallelujah. 
Grace will enhance your speech. Okay, go to 2 Corinthians 12, but then I think I'm done. I have more to share, but I think I'm done. We're going to let the Holy Ghost do the heavy lifting now. 2 Corinthians 12. How many has ever felt weak? I'm sure that we've all felt weak at some point. Did you know that grace specializes in overcoming weakness? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verse uh, 6. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 6. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say to the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that which he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelation, you know, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. He, he, he had some insight into the things of God. You know, he wrote half the New Testament. I wonder if it's any relation to the revelations that he had. Of course it is. All right? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, this wasn't an actual thorn because he could have pulled it out. He could have gotten some tweezers and pulled it out if it was an actual thorn. Okay? A thorn just irritates you. Okay? A A thorn in the flesh. Scholars said, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. Read after the comma. It tells you what it is. You don't need to be a scholar to figure this out. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. You don't need to have the IQ of a carrier. You can figure this out. A thorn in the flesh, comma, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. The thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. The buffet beat repeatedly. Everywhere Paul got, everywhere Paul went, he got beat up. He was beaten with rods five times. He was whipped three times, 39 times each. He was stoned, left for dead once. He was shipwrecked. That man was, no wonder a doctor wrote the book of Acts because Paul needed a doctor everywhere he went. He was one big walking bruise. Okay. Everybody say the thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. Okay, we got that cleared up. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient. God's grace is greater than any oppression. God's grace is any greater than any torment. God's grace is greater than any depression. Hallelujah. Say God's grace is greater. My grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So when you're weak, you are a candidate for God's perfect strength. Okay, so Paul gets a revelation. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul is saying, bring it on. I've got grace, and the grace can handle it. Because the grace is stronger. The grace is greater. The grace is more powerful. And I'm going to go with the grace, and I don't care what happens to me, because i got grace. 
Do you realize Paul got up from being stoned and left for dead and went back into the city that dragged him out and stoned him in the first place? That's some grace. Paul was whipped more times than Jesus. Jesus was whipped once 39 times. Paul was whipped three times. That's grace. Grace. (laughs) Oh, the enemy wanted to shut Paul up, but grace said, no, you're going to be speaking. Hallelujah. When you got grace, the devil can't shut you up. The devil can't stop you. The devil can't keep you down. Glory to God. Grace. Grace is God's gift to you. It comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from the throne of God. It comes from the word of God. It comes from the spirit of God. Grace is designed to help you. Paul said, the grace given to me, I'm a master builder. Whatever God, whatever God has called you to do, you have grace for it. You have ability. You have equipment. You have enablement. You have empowerment to do it. You just got to figure out what you're called to do. And then you just got to do it. Amen? But... Finding grace and operating in it. Now it's time to operate. Amen. We're going to let grace operate. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you have felt weak, I want you to come up. If you need healing, I want you to come up. If you have uh, felt overwhelmed, I want you to come up. Hallelujah. There is grace. Great grace is in this place. Great grace is coming from God's face. Great grace is moving in this place. Amen. But your faith has got to come and meet grace. If you have a need in your life, your faith, you got to say, my faith is coming to meet grace. Hallelujah. Your faith is the key that opens up grace's door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So everybody who comes up tonight, you got to be determined that you're going to receive whatever it is that you need. Amen. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Are you ready to receive grace? Hallelujah. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just disperse your grace to her right now. She has come to find grace in the time of need, and she's getting it, Lord. You are filling her grace tank full in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Fill her up till she overflows in Jesus' name, till it bubbles up, till she can't contain it anymore, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace.
Praise the Lord. Praise Him for His grace. Praise Him in this place. He needs some radical praise. He needs some over-the-top praise. He needs some bold praise. We've learned how to find it, and we've learned how to operate in it. Say, I'm operating in the grace of God. I'm functioning wonderfully in God's grace. Uh, Yeah. He's about to shift you in overdrive.
grace kind of covers it all. It's like a, it's like a, a, what do you call that pizza with everything on it? Yeah, it's just like that. Hallelujah. Supreme, there you go. Supreme, supreme joy, supreme joy. Hallelujah. came to us all we got to do is get a hold of it it's available it's yours you can operate in it it's been given to you Paul said I am what I am by the grace of God he accredited all that he did starting churches preaching the gospel he did it by the grace of God And if Paul could do that by the grace of God, you can do what you need to do by the grace of God. Amen? You can stand strong with God's grace. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your refreshing tonight. Thank you for your grace and your word. Lord, seal it in our hearts. Seal it in our lives. Let this become a reality, Father, as we grow closer and closer to you and you increase our understanding and insight about your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great and fantastic night.